I hate tests. Whether it was a, a high school science quiz or a seminary theology quiz that I had or a calculus exam in my engineering days of studying at university, they made me anxious and very stressed. Who can relate to that, right? Tests, I hate them. Well, whether you're a follower of Jesus or whether you're still on this journey of discovering who Jesus is, we can all look at life and recognize times then I think we feel that we are being tested. Again, can you connect with that idea? Sometimes those situations can be really confusing because life seems to be going merrily along and everything seems to be going well for us. Perhaps you're moving up in your career or, or your financial portfolio is really growing well. It's probably not the case in these days. But, or students, you're doing really well in your classes and maybe you're having great relationships with your kids or with your coworkers or just a great relationship in general. And if you're a follower of Jesus, even spiritually things could be going really well. You're feeling like you're really growing in your faith. Everything seems to be going well. And then bam, tragedy strikes. Some sort of crisis happens. You get that phone call. Uh, there's been an accident. A loved one is now suddenly on life support in the hospital. Or you visit your doctor, just a routine checkup, and then suddenly she discovers that growth, and it's cancer. For me, it was when I was 13, and my mom came into my bedroom one morning and told me to pack a suitcase because we were leaving. And she felt that she could no longer live with my father and we had to get out of the house quickly. You know, as followers of Jesus, when crisis strikes, we find ourselves often seeking, or jumping or going on our knees and crying out to God, saying, God, what in the world is happening here? What are you doing? Why is this happening to me? Well, that's the situation that we find today's character in a man named Abraham, and we want to look at his journey of faith that we can learn from. I spoke about the life of Abraham last month, and if you missed it, you can go check it out on our YouTube channel. But Abraham faced an ultimate crisis of faith, and God tested him. In a sense, we call it basically the ultimate test in life, as we look at today in our message the ultimate test, and God tested Abraham to determine if he was truly trusting in him with everything he had. You know, for all followers of Jesus, testing is a part of life. Our faith seems strong. Our, our confidence in God seems to be solid. But do we really know how strong our faith is until it's been tested? You know, living a life of faith comes with testing. And our faith is tested when God asks us to bear something that seems just unbearable to us or to do something that just seems totally unreasonable or to expect something that seems impossible. And if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you'll discover that, that God will bring tests into our lives to strengthen our faith, to, to mature us on our spiritual journey. In fact, the Bible teaches us to expect 
tests and trials and difficulties. And not only to expect them, but then to recognize that God has purpose in them. And to see that it will lead to something good. Testing has a purpose. It's part of the maturing process as we grow in our faith. And today as we look at the test that Abraham was faced with, we we want to consider what lessons we can learn from this account of God's seemingly bizarre request that he places on Abraham, a command actually. And we'll read it in Genesis chapter 22. Put the verses on the screen, but if you have your Bibles, take them and turn with me to Genesis 22, or take your phone out and get on the app. Let's read about this test that God put in front of Abraham. Genesis 22, I'm going to start with the first two verses. We'll be reading the rest up to verse 14 as we go through the message. Here we read in the first two verses, sometime later God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. Wow. Now that's a test. But before we dig into this passage, let me give a little bit of background. Abraham's life of faith has been a roller coaster up to this point. A roller coaster of victories and of failures. Of doubts and of fears. Of soaring confidence and then humble lessons learned. Last month we looked at one of those humbling lessons that Abraham learned when he he tried to solve a problem by taking matters into his his own hand. Fleeing the famine in his own land of Canaan and going to Egypt without consulting God first. And it was disastrous. But this event in chapter 22 happens years later. You see, at this point in his life, things things seem to be going well for Abraham. God had made a promise to him a number of times and, and with very convincing assurances that Abraham's descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. And that he would possess that land that God promised him, the land of Canaan, and that would be all his territory. And that he would become a great nation, his descendants would become a great nation, and great kings would come from his bloodline, and that through his descendants, Abraham would bless all peoples of the world. And then it finally happened, as God had promised. When Abraham was 100 years old and his wife Sarah was 90, they finally had that son that God had promised. Their own son together, his name was Isaac. And he would be the one through whom God's promise would be fulfilled. Finally, he had a son and it seemed like all these past failures were now finally behind him. Abraham was enjoying life with his son, raising him teaching him about the life of a shepherd, teaching him about the God that he worshipped and how faithful he was. See, Abram's faith had grown tremendously through the problems and messes that he had often created himself and his family. And God had always come through for him to set him back on the right path again, to instruct him how to restore things back in his life, to restore integrity in his life again. 
Yes, Abram's faith in God's power and his word was at an all-time high. In fact, if you turn just one chapter earlier in verse 21, we see that Abraham gives God this name that reminds him about his everlasting nature. He calls him Elohim, a Hebrew word. It means everlasting God. You see, Abraham had experienced God's faithfulness through his whole life, and he was convinced that God would continue to remain faithful right until his dying day and even beyond. And so he calls God the everlasting one. From eternity past to eternity future, God is forever faithful. That's what life was like for Abraham as we get into chapter 22. But then suddenly things change. Boom! God came to Abraham one day. And tells him that he needs to take his only son, the the one that God had promised him, and to offer him as a sacrifice. Can you imagine what was going on through Abraham's mind at that moment? God, what in the world are you doing? I'm sure he first would have been in shock. This was the son that God had promised him, the miracle child, the, the hope that Abraham had had all this time since God originally promised it to him. It's interesting the way God presents this command to Abraham. He says, take your son, your only son, the son whom you love so much, and sacrifice him to me. As if God was sympathizing with Abraham's pain and in a way communicating that he understood what kind of a request that he was putting on this man. You know, after everything Abraham had gone through to get to this point, to finally have his own son and was growing to love him and watch him grow and mature, to think, I think that we even as readers would think, my goodness, what is going on here? Until we go back and we read verse 1 again of chapter 22. It says, Now sometime later, God tested Abraham. It's as if the Holy Spirit guided Moses, who, who wrote these first books of the Bible, to include that line just to take the edge off for us a bit as readers about the horror of God's command that followed. You know, many of us have read the story over and over, and I think we've lost the impact of the significance of what God was asking Abraham to do. How would you feel if God asked you to give up your child to prove your faith in him? God tested Abraham, and today I want us to be reminded again of this very important fact, this very important aspect of our journey of faith. And that's that our faith does not grow without testing or trials. Let me say that again. Our faith does not grow without testing or trials. Listen to what James, the brother of Jesus, wrote in the New Testament. And James 1, 2-4, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may mature and be complete, not lacking anything. Author and commentator Kent Hughes 
says this about testing. Let me read. As God tests our faith, it stretches and thereby grows. Here, Abraham's faith was going to be stretched to the other, utter limit. And because he held firm, his faith has become the grand faith example in history. We see from this that the way to increase faith is to exercise faith. Trust God as you can, and he will give you so much more than you expected, and then you will trust him even more. See, as followers of Jesus, we must expect tests to come. What tests are stretching your faith right now? Maybe you're facing a financial crisis. You see, God sometimes tests us to see if we'll trust him to provide for all our needs. Maybe you're struggling with a health issue. God sometimes tests us, you see, to see if we trust him for healing or if we trust him to simply give us the strength to be able to endure, to, to get through whatever health challenges we are experiencing. Maybe you're struggling in a relationship with your spouse or with a child or a friend or someone at work. You see, God sometimes tests us to see if we can be people of grace and forgiveness. Moses, again, the author of Genesis, lets the reader know that God was testing Abraham. But did Abraham know it was a test? We know God tests us because we're told in the Bible that he tests us to strengthen our faith. But Abraham didn't have the written word of God to show him. When Abraham heard God's command, I don't think he knew it was a test. And yet, when God gave Abraham this command, a command that would be an ultimate test of his faith, whether he knew it was a test or not, we see he responds with total obedience. You know, as shocked as we may be by God's command, I think we might be even more shocked by Abraham's immediate obedience. This man who, who went down to Egypt without consulting God, a man who tried to shortcut God's plan to have a son by trying to have a son through his wife's servant, this man who impatiently questioned whether he would ever receive the land that God promised him, this man had now grown and matured into a man of unwavering faith who knew that no matter what God asked him to do, he was going to obey because he knew that God had things under control. And from the moment he gets up the next morning to the time he arrives at the place that God told him he had to sacrifice his son, he trusted God's plan. And his obedience is demonstrated over and over again. Let's read on in our passage. Verse 3. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut, through, cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkeys while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. 
Abraham took the wood from the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Verse 3 begins, early the next morning. Abraham, you see, wasted no time in following God's instructions. He doesn't ignore God's command. He doesn't delay. He he doesn't try to rationalize, well, God, that, that, that can't be what you mean. Maybe I should just sit around and wait for a while to see if maybe you'll give me some more clarity. He doesn't procrastinate. He gets up early the next morning and begins this journey of obedience. For three days, he travels about the 80 kilometers between where he was tenting and this mountain of Moriah. For three days, his mind, I'm sure, is going a mile a minute here, wondering what's going to happen when he gets there. And just to highlight some historical context, human sacrifice was not actually unknown to Abraham. In fact, sacrificing children was a common practice in the pagan world of Ur, where he had come from, and even was common in the land of Canaan, where he lived now. And so this request from God wasn't totally foreign to Abraham. And while he didn't yet have God's written laws, deep down I think Abraham knew that this was not really what God's ways were. So something was happening here. And yet he obeyed. He trusted that God would clarify things when the time was right. When Abraham sees Mount Moriah up ahead, he tells the servants, okay, you stay here. Stay here with the donkey, and we're going to go on ahead. But his faith, his confidence in God is so strong. Listen to what he says again to the servants. Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then what? And then we will come back again. Notice that? Abraham is so convinced of God's faithfulness, he tells the servant that he and Isaac would return together. You see, already Abraham knew in his heart that God would somehow miraculously intervene and allow Isaac to return with him. In the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews in chapter 11, that history of faithful people, we get a glimpse of maybe what Abraham's thought process was. Let me read it to you, verse 17 to 19 of Hebrews 11. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac, your offspring, through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. Abraham was so convinced that Isaac, his son, would be the one to fulfill God's promises. He reasoned that God would just raise him from the dead after he had sacrificed him. Because God 
was faithful with his promises. What a bold faith. What a bold faith of this man, Abraham. And so Abraham and Isaac continue on this journey. And as they begin to climb the steep mountain, they leave the donkey behind. So Abraham takes the pile of wood for this burnt offering and he puts it on Isaac's shoulders to carry. How ironic. Isaac, the one to be sacrificed, was carrying the wood that he would be sacrificed on. What does that remind you of? This image provides us with this amazing foreshadowing of over a thousand years into the future when Jesus himself, the perfect sacrifice, carried his own cross to his death. Isaac finally breaks the silence. Father, he says, Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Where is the lamb? Such a naive question, and it highlights for us that Isaac had no idea what was coming. And yet it points to his total trust that his father knew what he was doing. And Abraham's response points to the next incredible demonstration of faith on this journey of obedience. In verse 8, we we read, God himself, Abraham replies to his son, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. And then they went on together again. What an amazing declaration of trust. An expression of hope. A prophecy in itself that points us again to the future when God would provide a sacrificial lamb. God himself will provide the lamb for the offering, he told his son. God will intervene in impossible situations and provide what is needed. When we respond in faith to testing and trials with total obedience. That's the second thing I want us to remember this morning, that our faith is proven when we respond to tests and trials with obedience to God. Have you ever faced a daunting situation where you felt hopeless and helpless? And it seemed like the only thing that you could do was just finally surrender yourself to whatever God was doing in your life. As painful as that can be, deep down in your heart, though, I believe that we as followers of Jesus know that God is going to come through for us. And if it's not in this life, then we know it will certainly be true in the life to come. That's the example that Abraham presents for us to follow, an example of obedience. In those times, the only solution to our predicament is to leave the matter in God's hands so that he may then open up a way for us to be able to get through when it seems like there's no other way. And we can do that because we serve a faithful God. We just sang that amazing song just before the message. Isaac submitted in obedience to his father. Let's continue to read verse 9. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abram built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand 
and took the knife to slay his son. But, and the angel of the Lord called out from him to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replies. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. It's interesting, there's no record of a struggle between Abraham and Isaac, no attempt from Isaac to try to flee from his father. Commentators say that Isaac was probably in his early teens by now, probably strong enough to put up a good fight. He also showed total obedience and he consented and cooperated with Abraham as he tied him up and laid him on the altar. He just trusted that his dad knew what he was doing. He trusted that his dad also trusted that God knew what he was doing. Isaac, following also in his dad's example of obedience. And Abraham was willing to take his faith right to the limit to carry out God's command in full obedience. See, gone were the days of trying to come up with his own plan. Gone were the days of trying to take matters into his own hands. You see, our faith is proven by our commitment to obedience to God. Obedience to the things we do. Obedience shown in our actions the way we live our lives, the way we treat other people, the way we deal with difficult circumstances. It's all a practical demonstration of how much we truly trust in God. Again, the author, James, the brother of Jesus, writes this in the New Testament. James chapter 2, verse 20 to 23. I don't have it on the slides, but listen. I'm reading the New Living Translation. How foolish, James says. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened just as the scripture says, Abraham believed God and God counted, it, counted him as righteous. Because of his faith, he was even called the friend of God. Abraham had proven his faith. And God stepped in and stopped him just before he was about to kill his son. You see, from God's perspective, Abraham had passed the test. Because in his heart, he had already willingly given up his son The decision had been made and he was willing to carry out God's command even to the point of killing his son in obedience. And as a reward for his obedience, God provides an incredible substitute sacrifice to take Isaac's place. You see, when God brings tests into our lives, he always provides a way that helps us get through them. Let's read on in our chapter here. Verse 13, Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. 
And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Tests can come suddenly in our lives. One minute everything's going well, and the next minute everything seems to be crashing down around us. But the tester of our faith, God himself, is also the provider of our way through it. And as soon as Abraham heard God's voice stopping him from killing Isaac, he looked up and he saw a ram caught in the bushes nearby. And he went over and he took the ram and he used it as the sacrifice in place of his son. And in response to God's provision, Abraham renames that place on the mountain. He called the place, the Lord will provide. Here we learn another name for God from the Old Testament. Yahweh Yireh, or Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. And for generations to come, that, the name of that spot was remembered as the mountain where the Lord provided for Abraham. And that is our third lesson from this ultimate test for Abraham is when we go through testing and trials, we can always be confident that God will provide a way through it. Whatever test you may be going through today, remember God's name, Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide for you as well. God will always provide for our needs, especially when we're going through trials and testing in life. Well, the father of the nation of Israel, Abraham, the father of all those who through faith are righteous in God's eyes, as we read in the New Testament, the father through whom God brought his plan of salvation, the story of Abraham foreshadows another father who had to sacrifice his son. And let me conclude this morning with this final thought. God stopped Abraham from offering his only son as a sacrifice and provided a ram caught in the bushes to be a substitute sacrifice in place of his son. And that makes us look ahead to the future of God's plan to rescue the world through another substitute sacrifice. What an amazing foreshadowing God provided a sacrifice for us as well, someone to take our place. You see, the Bible teaches us that we have a selfish nature. We're born with it. You see, our hearts want to live life on our own terms, not on God's terms. And this rebellious nature that we have, the Bible calls it sin. And it is this sin that has separated us from God and broken our relationship with him. And the penalty, the Bible says, for that rebellion against God is death, eternal death. But you see, God didn't just abandon us in that separation. No, he provided the fix to the problem, the, the way for us to be restored in that relationship again with our creator. And that way is through a substitute. Someone who would take our place, who would die for us in our place so that we wouldn't have to face that death penalty. And that person is God's son, Jesus. 
Why would God be willing to give up his son for us? Well, the Bible teaches us it's because he loves us. Probably one of the most familiar verses in Scripture, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You see, that word perish, it speaks not just about physical death, but also spiritual death, an eternity forever separated from God's presence, God's comfort, God's goodness. But that's not the destiny for everyone. That is the destiny for those who do not put their faith and trust in Jesus, but for those who put their faith and trust in Jesus. God offers forgiveness, and he offers that gift of eternal life. You see, we perish and are separated from God because we choose to turn our back on him. But God doesn't want anybody to face that death penalty. We just read, God says that he doesn't want anyone to perish. And so God sent Jesus, his only son, to take our place. Jesus paid for your sin and he paid for my sin when he gave his life as a sacrifice on the cross. Hebrews 7 verse 27 says, He sacrificed for our sins once for all when he offered himself. And if you believe that's true today, if you believe with your heart and mind that Jesus is the Son of God and that your sin has separated you from God and that Only through Jesus can you restore that relationship again. And then you surrender your life and you ask God to forgive you of your sin. Amazing thing happens. God promises to extend to you then grace and forgiveness. In Romans 10.9 in the New Testament we read that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he is the Son of God, that he is the one who gave his life for your sin. And then believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. He didn't stay dead on the cross. No, he had victory over death when he rose again on the third day. It says you will be saved. See, the Bible says God saves you. And more than that, he then also gives us his spirit who now lives in us to help guide and direct our lives on that path of faith towards obedience, daily obedience to him. The God who tests us, the God who also provides for us, is also the God who saves us. And the most important thing that he has provided is his only son who gave his, his life willingly to pay for your sin and mine so that we can have our relationship with God restored again and experience eternal life. Isn't that an amazing gift? It's a gift of love and it's a free gift that he offers, the gift of forgiveness and eternal life. And it's available to anyone who puts their faith and trust in Jesus. Abraham experienced God's incredible grace 
and that God provided a substitute sacrifice to take the place of his son Isaac. And God also provides for us incredible grace by providing a substitute sacrifice for us so that we would not need to face spiritual death and an eternity separated from him. That's a gift of love, and it's a free gift, the gift of forgiveness and eternal life, but this gift can only be received through faith. Will you put your trust in Jesus today? Let's pray. Father, we thank you again. We sang earlier that you were the God of Moses and the God of David and the God of Mary. You're the God of Abraham that we've learned about again today, and you are faithful. We thank you so much about this account of this test that you gave Abraham. God, we can relate to that because we go through tests in life too, and God, sometimes you put tests in your life because you want us to demonstrate that we truly have faith in you and then live in obedience. God, thank you that this story also shows us that you are a God who provides, and that you provide help in times when we face difficulties and trials and testing in life. You provide strength, you provide wisdom, you provide a way out, and often that or sometimes it doesn't maybe align with what we think is the way out, but God, you're, you're there for us always. And then, God, you provided a sacrifice to take Isaac's place, just like you provided your son the sacrifice to take our place so that we would not have to experience eternity separated from you, eternal death. Oh, God, I pray if there's someone here today that has not yet made that decision to put their personal faith and trust in you, that today they would do that, to surrender to you. God, open hearts today to hear this word from the Bible and respond to it in faith. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you did, for giving your life so that we could have eternal life, for conquering death, for rising from the dead so that we don't have to face death forever. We can spend eternity in the presence of God. Thank you, God, for that gift. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.